What's up, Faith Church? Everybody good today? I got a podium that's going to show up here in a second, maybe. Uh, welcome, man. So glad you guys are here. Thank you for real for, here we go. That's my man. I could have held it, but you know. There we go. Now I can lay it down. I talk with my hands. That would have messed me up this whole service because then it would have been like holding a book around. So welcome. So glad you're here for real, man. It has been an amazing day. I got to tell you, that type of worship experience puts a lot of pressure on the person that has to get up and preach after that because now I feel like I don't need to screw it up, right? So part of it is like we just need to stop like right now. But I do feel like God has a message that I'm going to bring to you today. Um, hopefully I can do it justice. But welcome to all of you. Everybody here in Florence, would you put your hands together and help me welcome everybody online in our entire Lawrenceburg campus. I love you, Lawrenceburg. Welcome. Everyone watching all over the country, maybe around the world, you just never know. There's thousands of people that watch this service along with you guys. Through that camera right there, we are in week two um, of a series called Father Knows Best. Um, and it kicked off last week. Honestly, I can't even attempt to do last week justice. So I need you to, if you weren't here, if you missed it, go online to our website. Go watch the message. I honestly think it was probably the best message of the year to date, um, for real. So... Um, more pressure there. Thank you. That's awesome. Um, yeah, no worries. Um, so what I'm going to try to do today is I want to kind of piggyback off of Pastor Steve's message from last week um, where he talked about um, this understanding that we are accepted, right, that we have a Father in heaven. And so we're going to spend a little bit of time talking about that today. We're going to jump all over the place. Hopefully it's not a mess. Hopefully it makes sense, um, and we'll just see. So Today, I want to start off with one of my favorite passages in all of Scripture. We're going to jump into the book of Romans, chapter 8, starting in verse 14. This is what the Apostle Paul said to the church in Rome. He said, for all who are led by the Spirit of God are what? Children of God. So you have not received a spirit that makes you fearful slaves. Instead, you received God's Spirit when he adopted you as his own children. So now that we've been adopted... Right? If you're a Christ follower here, you are now a child of God. Now that we've been adopted, now we get to call him Abba, which means Father. For his spirit joins with our spirit to affirm that we are God's children. Right? That God is our Father. Now that's a very difficult thing to grasp, okay? That's a very hard concept, okay? Because here's the truth. For us to understand God is the Father, the only lens we have to see that through is our relationship with our earthly father. And the hard part about that is for some of us, we had great dads who loved us and cared for us and were patient and caring and giving and all those things. For some of us in the room, maybe watching in Lawrenceburg, maybe your relationship with your dad wasn't that good, right? Maybe he had his own issues, maybe he had his own struggles, and it, it wasn't a good relationship. And what happens for us as believers is we try to see God as Father. What we do is we project our view of what God is off of the relationship we have with our earthly fathers. And that's an issue because all of our earthly fathers, I think, like we're all humans, right? We're all broken. We're all messed up. I remember growing up thinking like my dad was Superman. Like I had a great dad. I still have a great dad. Like he loved for us and provided for us and took care of us. And I remember thinking he was untouchable until I kind of got to those like teenage years. And then I thought he was an idiot, right? We all get there. But here's the deal. I've got three boys of my own now. 
And here's what I know. He had no idea what he was doing. None of us do. I wing it every single day. And I just pray, God, don't let me screw my kids up. And I just pray that as a father, somehow they can look at me and they can see him, that I don't skew or ruin their view of God the Father based on their view of me as their earthly dad. A.W. Tozer said it this way. He said, what comes to mind when you think about God is the most important thing about you. Because you see, it defines everything you see and everything you do in life. And so we have to get to this place where we see God as Father. And I understand that we all have different hurdles and we all have different things that we have to overcome to get to that point. So we all have a different journey in relating to God. But we've kind of got to start with a baseline. We have to understand that you may never get there. And for some of you, based on your relationship with your earthly dad, it's harder for you to to truly understand the love and patience and acceptance of your heavenly dad. But we kind of have to start with this understanding that Scripture says we are children of God. It's foundational, okay? And so today, I want to answer this question with that understanding. If we are children of God, then what does it mean to be a son or daughter of God? What does that look like? What are the expectations of being a kid of the king? Because there's some there. So here's what we're going to do. I'm going to take us on a journey. Hopefully, um, it kind of makes sense. So I'm going to start with a passage that's probably really familiar to most of you in the room if you've been in church for any amount of time. And then I'm going to go to a passage um, that may not be that familiar to you, depending on what your background is. It's not as, not as popular of a verse. And then I'm going to go to a passage of Scripture that hopefully starts making some sense of it. And then if it all works, the last passage of Scripture that I share will either be like a, that was awesome, or it won't make any sense at all, and we're going to pray and go home, and Pastor Steve will be back next week, okay? <laughs> that's, that's my goal. To, that's my plan. That's, that's all I got, okay? So we're going to start today, the book of John, chapter 3. We're going to start reading in verse 1. Now, John 3, 16 is like the most famous verse in the history of verses, right? Like, you don't even have to, like, believe Jesus exists. Like, you don't never step foot in church. Everybody knows John 3, 16, right? For God so loved the world, he gave his only begotten son. We get that. So this comes just 15 verses before that because we're going to pick up in John chapter 3, verse 1, right? The beginning of this conversation with Jesus. Because you see, as we pick up in John chapter 3, what's happening is Jesus has kind of just begun his earthly ministry. Like he's just starting to gain some traction. So he's, he's teaching with power. Lives are being changed. People are beginning to follow him. Like crowds are growing Um, everywhere he goes, like he's healing people, so signs and wonders are following him. And all of a sudden, um, he's no longer kind of under the radar or in the shadows. Like people start noticing, like, who's that guy? They start hearing stories, like, "What's what's this teacher that's going around doing? Especially the people who are the religious leaders of the day, they start taking note because it's their job to make sure that the church runs smoothly, that things are done the way they're supposed to. So they start taking note, and they know who this Jesus guy is. And so we're going to pick up a guy by the name of Nicodemus, who Scripture will tell us he was a Pharisee. He was very wealthy, very well-known, very influential, and very educated, okay? This guy's a big deal in the church of the day, which in the church of the day was also the government of the day, okay? Like, 
This guy's big shot, right? Pick up John chapter 3. This is what scripture says. It says, there was a man named Nicodemus, a Jewish religious leader who was a Pharisee. After dark one evening, he came to speak with Jesus, right? So after dark. Why did he come after dark? Because he didn't want anybody else to know he was coming to talk to Jesus, right? That's how big of a deal Jesus was. Nicodemus, this very wealthy, influential leader, is like sneaking ninja style because he needs to have a conversation with Jesus. Like he's trying to figure Jesus out. Like what's going on with you? And this is what he says. He says, Rabbi, which means teacher. He said, we all know right? All the people, all the religious leaders, we all know that God has sent you to teach us. Your miraculous signs are evidence that God is with you. So he's kind of complimentary, right? This is how this conversation opens up. This this leader is like, Jesus, we know you're from God. We know you've been sent here to teach us. The miracles are proof of who you are. Nicodemus is on this journey to figure out like, What can we learn from you? How can we kind of come alongside and and work together? And this is Jesus' response. Jesus says some weird stuff a lot of times. Jesus responded, I tell you the truth. Unless you are born again, you cannot see the kingdom of God. At which point, Nicodemus is like, what? What do you mean? Like, I complimented you and like, hey, man, I know you're from God. I know you're, oh, yeah, if you're not born again, you'll never see the kingdom of God. So Nicodemus is kind of taken back. What do you mean? How can an old man go back into his mother's womb and be born again? He's confused. At which point, Jesus tries to clarify maybe. He said, I assure you, no one can enter the kingdom of God without being born of water and the Spirit. For humans can only reproduce human life, but the Holy Spirit gives birth to spiritual life. So don't be surprised when I say you must be born again. Now, if you've been in church for any amount of time, you've probably heard that phrase, right, born again. And just like Nicodemus, for thousands of years, Christians and theologians have been trying to figure out what did Jesus mean, because that does not make sense. I don't understand. So, like, how many of you in the room, raise your hands if you would say, I would identify as a Christian, right? We get to identify with a lot of things in our culture today, so I'm a Christian. That's what I'm identifying as, okay? We're all Christians, so... All of you who raised your hand, if I came up and asked you, what does it mean to be born again? How do you think you'd answer? Right? For me, even being a pastor on staff here, I'd probably like, you need to go talk to Pastor Steve. (laughs) Go talk to him. He'll explain it. Because it doesn't make sense. It's weird. But what happens, what it means, in essence, is that if you're a Christ follower, so if you raised your hand, What it means is that when you came to that point in your life where the Holy Spirit moved on your heart and you all of a sudden had this revelation or understanding that Jesus really was who he said he was and you prayed this prayer, it doesn't have to be like anything flowery or big. Maybe you came to an altar, maybe you did it in your seat, maybe you were in your car listening to the radio, whatever it was. You got to this point where you said, Jesus, I want what you did to count. Like I know you are who you say you are and I want... I want what you did to count, and I want to live my life according to your ways. What Scripture says is when you did that, you were born again. But it's not just like you kind of got like a refresh where like you had your past and who you were, and now God came in and forgave you, and he wiped all that other stuff away. And so now from here on, hopefully you just don't make the same mistakes that you did. 
It's not that you just hit the reset button. What being born again means is you are born differently, that you're a different person now, that there is a you that you do not see, that we look at this, this flesh that we have, right? What being born again means is that there's now a you that is more real than the part of you that I can see, right? This flesh, this body, as we are sitting here talking, you sitting there listening to me speak, wherever you're at, your body is dying. It is fading away, right? And it does not matter what you do to it. You can put muscles on it, right? You can put tattoos on it. You can pierce it. You can put fancy clothes on it. You can put its butt in a fancy truck and drive it to a fancy house. It does not matter. Whatever you do to this outside body, it is dying. It is going away. But once you are born again, what scripture says is there's a more real part of you now that is not dying and is not fading away. What it is doing is it is becoming renewed. It is becoming more like Christ. It's growing. It's thriving. But it's this part of us that, that we don't see. And therefore, it's this part of us that's so hard to understand. And it's the same struggle that we have today that the early church Christians had. Look at what the Apostle Paul said to the church in Corinth. The Apostle Paul's a church planner. He's going around. He's starting all these churches. All these people are getting saved. And so he gets all these new Christians who are trying to figure out what does it mean to be a child of God? What does it mean to be born again? Like, I don't understand this whole thing. And here's what Paul says, 1 Corinthians chapter 15, starting in verse 45. He says, the scriptures tell us that the first man, Adam, became a living person. But the last Adam, that is Christ, is a life-giving spirit. For what comes first is the natural body, and the spiritual body comes later. For Adam, the first man, was made from the dust of the earth, while Christ, the second man, came from heaven. Earthly people are like the earthly man, and heavenly people are like the heavenly man. Now stop. We understand this up to this point, right? Like we're earthly man. We know the story. Adam and Eve, he was made from dust. God breathed life into him. He came alive. So we are made of dust. We are earthly people. And scriptures say we're like Adam. We get that. We understand that. But here's the part that throws us for a loop. Verse 49, he says, so just as we are now like the earthly man, we will someday be like the heavenly man. So that just like we are like Adam, that we are fallen and broken, that we are from this earth, that when you get born again, when you like surrender your life to Christ, what happens is you become like the second Adam, like Jesus. And that's the part that if I could be like totally bluntly honest and in front of all you people, even today, I still struggle with that statement right there. I still struggle, even though I get paid to do this for a living, even in preparing for this message, I read those words and I say, I don't see me being like you, Jesus. Like I got the center broken, messed up part. I know that one. I would not have to work very hard in this room to convince you all that you're broken because we all know the thoughts that we have. We all know the desires in our heart. We all know the conversations we have, right? We all know we're messed up. So there's, there's no difficulty. If you would just be honest with yourself, you know I relate to the curse of Adam. The hard part for all of us is that we have to get to that place that we say no because I'm now a child of God. Because I'm born again, 
I don't relate to the curse of Adam. I walk in the promises of Christ. And that's difficult. And we have a hard time getting to that place. That's why if you jump a little bit in Scripture all the way to John chapter 16, John tells us later on as he's kind of trying to unpack this whole idea, John chapter 16 says that there are three primary functions of the Holy Spirit. Right? Three things that it does when it speaks of the conviction of the Holy Spirit. Three things. It's the Holy Spirit exists to convict us of sin. Okay. When we mess up, when we do bad, the Holy Spirit's like, oh, you shouldn't have done that. Okay, got sin. Judgment. Got that. Do you know what the third thing is? The Holy Spirit exists to convict you of your righteousness. That if you're here and you're a Christ follower, one of the primary jobs of the Holy Spirit is to convince you that you really are who you already are. Because, see, we've got this enemy out there that likes to tell us we're not. And we're really good at buying into this lie that we are not who we really are. And if you do not know who you are, you'll never know what you're supposed to do. And so we buy into this belief, right, that this false humility, and we, we say things like, man, one day, like, when I get my act together, when I take care of this, I'm going to come back to church, right? You've heard people have those conversations, right? Like, man, like, I'm going to come back one day. I'm kind of working through some things. Maybe you're here and you're in this church and you attend, but when we say things like you can be involved, like you can use your gifts and talents, like you can, you can be used by God to make a difference, something in your head says, I can't do that. Like I'm so messed up. You don't know what I've done. Like you don't, you don't know the thoughts that I have, so I can't. Like maybe one day I'm going to get to that place that I can be used like, like Pastor AJ or I can be used like Natalie because one day I'll get to that level, but right now I'm, I'm struggling and I'm sinful and I'm broken. And we think we're being humble and really all we're doing is agreeing with the lie of the enemy that says you are not what you really are. And the job of the Holy Spirit is to say, no, you are exactly who he says you are. And that's a big deal because you will not spend time with a God who you think has a big bag of spiritual switches just coming at you ready to punish you. You will not spend time with a father who you do not think loves you. And that's the struggle that we find ourselves in. You are who God says you are. And scripture very clearly says you are a child of God. Paul finishes it up, verse 50 of chapter 15. 1 Corinthians, he says, What I'm saying, dear brothers and sisters, is that our physical bodies cannot inherit the kingdom of God. These dying bodies cannot inherit what will last forever. You see, the real us is not what we see on the outside. And we can work and do all we want to do to try to fix what's on the outside. We can try to dress the part, look the part, raise my hands in worship, try to, to do all these things so that it looks like from the outward appearance that we have our act together, that we're growing in our relationship with Christ. But over and over and over again in Scripture, what God says is that man looks on the outer appearance. God looks at the what? Heart. Because you see, he's a dad. He's a father. And my three boys, I love it when they do good things, but I am so much more concerned with who they're becoming on the inside than what they're doing on the outside. That's a dad. That's, that's a loving 
Father. It's all about the heart. It's all about that part of us that we do not see. And that matters because when you understand what the real part of you is, it changes how you interact with everything. It changes how you interact with God, with your family, with your friends, with your brothers and sisters in Christ, with other churches. When you see God as Father, as your dad, who loves you, then all of a sudden you can forgive the unforgivable because you understand you've got a dad who's forgiven you of so much more. When you see that you have a dad who is your provider, who takes care of all your needs, you can give generously because you don't have to have this scarcity mindset or have to worry about what I'm going to do next. So I don't know all of your stories. I've got a great dad. He's amazing. And I remember, like, growing up, I never had a concern for how was the mortgage going to be paid. I didn't know how it happened. I just know the lights were on, the water worked, I had a bed to lay on, dad took care of it. Car payment, I, I didn't worry about it. Dad, I need gas money. There it is, right? Any concern that I had coming up, I knew dad's got it. That responsibility, that weight isn't on me. Dad, my shoes are worn out. I need a new pair of shoes. And yes, I understand that that's not all of your stories and that we all have to, to kind of work through things. But the point is, when you get to that place that you see God as a good heavenly father, then you get to, to serve differently. You pray differently because you're not talking to some distant deity. You're talking to your dad. That's what Jesus said. Matthew chapter 6, verses 9 and 10 the disciples had seen the life that Jesus was living. They'd seen the miracles that he was doing, the power with which he spoke, the peace that he lived with. And they asked Jesus, they were like, I want to pray like you pray. How do I do that? And this is what he said, Matthew chapter 6, verse 9. He said, pray then like this, our Father, stop. That right there would have completely wrecked the minds of the disciples. Because you see, up until that point, in all of the recorded history of Judaism, no one had ever referred to God as Father until Jesus. Ever. Like now in 2019, like you've heard this before, and it might be hard for you to, to wrap your brains around it, but this would have been the first time anyone would have ever told them, you need to go to God as your dad. And the disciples would have had an issue with that because they're like, listen, Jesus, God might be your dad, but he's not my dad. How can I go to him like a father? But you know, Jesus didn't say, go to him saying, Jesus, dad, give me this, let me do this. No. Jesus said, if you want to walk in power, if you want to have the peace and the hope that you long to have, here's how you do it. Go to God and say, our father. That changed everything for the disciples. It completely would have blown their mind. He says, our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Holy is your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. You see, the problem is that until you get to a point, being a child of God, that you see God for who he is as a heavenly dad who loves you and wants good things for you, you will not pray that prayer. You will not go to him the way Jesus said to go to him saying, Dad, I need this. 
knowing that he wants to give you everything that you need. You will not go to him if you do not see yourself for who you are because you have a misunderstanding of who he is. It changes everything. Our Father in heaven, like you are holy. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Your will. How many of you know what a will is? Like we know what a will is. Like there are many scriptures um, that would talk about the will of God being something he wants you to do, okay? But did you know that the will of God isn't just something he wants you to do, it's something he wants you to have. See, I have a will, right? Like I have three boys and in my will, there are some things that when I'm gone, they're going to have access to. That I am leaving in my will something for them to have, right? You know what a will is. The problem is that the only people who can access what I have left, right, whether it's money or things or heirlooms or whatever the case may be, the only people that can access what I've left in my will is who? My kids. And the problem in churches all over the country, problem in this church right now, is that there are some things that God has left for you there's some things that God has made available to you, but you're trying to earn them and work for them, and you're not going and saying, I'm a kid, and that's mine. See, there's some people in this room that I truly believe that God has willed you healing, right? In your heart, in your body, that there's a healing that is available to you, but you cannot access it unless you go to him as a child. There's freedom available to you as a Christ follower, as a kid of God. But you cannot access it unless you understand the identity that he's already given you. You can't walk in it. You see, in my will, my friends don't get what I've left. My acquaintances don't get what I've left. The people who know about me because they follow me on social media, they don't have access to what I've willed for my kids, the only people who get it are my kids come forward and they say, that's my dad. And he's left me that and he said I could have it. I've got proof of my identity. And that means they get to walk at a different level. Jesus said it this way. John chapter 14, verse 12. He said, I tell you the truth. Anyone who believes in me will do the same works I've done and even greater works because I'm going to be with the Father. Greater works than Jesus. Now we have a hard time with that, but think about it. If that verse is not true, then you have to take the entire chapter of John 14 and throw it out of the Bible. It's just, if that's not available to you, then John 14's wrong. Trash it. Problem is when you trash John 14, that means you have to trash all of John. And if you trash the book of John, that means you have to trash the New Testament. At which point you have to trash the whole thing. See, if one promise of God is a lie, it's all worthless. But the truth, the litmus test for being a child of God Jesus says, those who believe in me, those who are my father's kids, will do the same works I've done and even greater works because they have a power 
They walk at a level because my dad has given them access to it. See, what does it mean to be a son or daughter of God? It means that everywhere you go, every conversation you have, every situation you find yourself in, you take heaven with you. And your job as a Christ follower is to make earth like heaven. His will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And I've got news for you. There's no sickness in heaven. There's no death or disease in heaven. There's no shame. There's no lust. There's no guilt. Everywhere we go, we take that power with us. But until you understand your identity, you'll never have access to your inheritance. You have to understand that because he is a good father, that means you have access as his child. You can't earn it. You inherit it by knowing who you are and knowing what he did for you. So with every head bowed and every eye closed in this room, here's what I want to do. If you're here today and you've never taken that step to be born again, to submit your life, to say, I want to be a child of God, like I want what he has for me, then here's what I want you to do. Nobody's coming to you, but I want you to raise your hand so that I can pray for you right now. If you know you need to be born again, you know you need to be saved, raise your hand right now. Go. See the hands. See the hands. All right, you can put them down. Now, the rest of us in the room, here's what, here's what our challenge is. It's that when we see how we interact with people in the life that we live, are we understanding our identity and inheritance to the point that we take heaven with us everywhere we go? If you're here and you know that there's more power, that there's more peace that you have access to that you have not claimed and you want it today, I want you to raise your hand wherever you're at. Father, we come to you right now as our dad who wants to give us good gifts, God. And I pray for every person that raised a hand in this room, every person in Lawrenceburg, every person online. God, for those who raised that hand for a first time, Lord, I pray that your Holy Spirit would move in their life. God, that you would give them a fresh understanding of who you are, what you want for them, God, that you are pleased with them, that you love them, that you accept them, that they don't have to do anything because you've already done it. Allow them to walk in a new revelation and relationship with you today. And for every person in here, God, that raised their hand knowing that they're not accessing the power and the promises that you have left for them in your will as a child of God, Father, I pray right now that they would embrace that like never before. That their walk would change. That they would carry themselves differently because they know their royalty. That they are your child. As I'm going to cut you loose today, here's what I want to do. You carry heaven with you, Christ follower. You have the power. You have the promise. So as I pray and release you, if you're here and you need prayer, if you know that there's that healing that you want, that freedom that you need, if you need prayer, whether it be physical, emotional, relational, 
If you raised your hand for the first time here today and you want that relationship with God, as everyone else is leaving, here's what I want you to do. I want you to just keep your seat. Don't go anywhere. Just stay seated. If you need prayer, stay seated. And here's what I'm going to ask all you other Christ followers to do who carry the power and the promises of your Father with you. If you see someone seated on your way out, here's what I want you to do. I want you to go pray for them. Simple as that. Just go pray for them. Don't wait on a pastor because there's way more of you than there are of me. If you see someone with a need, you make heaven come to earth in that moment and allow God to move through you in a way maybe that he never has before. If you see that the conversation is going to take a little while, you can go together out to our prayer and care room. We've got a team there that would love to help facilitate that conversation, but let God move through you today. You're his child. He's given you everything that you need to accomplish the will and purpose that he has for your life. But if you don't see yourself as his kid, you'll never access it. So Father, move in this place today, God. Allow hearts to be healed, lives to be changed. Father, I pray for the power of the Holy Spirit to move in this room like it never has before as your children step into their right role and that we walk in the access that you have given us to your heavenly throne room. God, allow heaven to come to earth right now. In Jesus' name, amen. Love you guys. Y'all come back next week for week three of Father's Knows Best. Thanks.